And if they would like to go to uh, youth church or kids church at this time, uh, they're certainly welcome to head on down there and do that. Hey, we're continuing in a series. Uh, We are continuing in a series that we started a few weeks ago, and it's simply entitled, Be Like Jesus, Be Like Jesus. And so why is there a copyright machine up there? Uh, Because we said, maybe we could make this prayer. Uh, make me a copy of Jesus. Dear God, make me a copy of Jesus. How's a copy your machine work? Uh, for those of you that uh, have never used a copy machine uh, before, uh, let me explain to you how one works. And that's kind of like a joke there because probably nobody in the room's never. But anyway, you know how they work. Copy machine works. You take a blank piece of paper, you put it in there, and then there's uh, an image that you want to duplicate, right? And so maybe you close that little lid or you send that from your computer and you tell it, and then it spits it out, boom, and it has made a copy has made a copy of that image, right? And so that's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a place that we come in and then we we leave and we have imprinted upon us uh, the characteristics of Jesus, that we want to be more like Jesus. And so that's what we're talking about. And so next slide, guys, we did this. Uh, A few weeks ago, um, uh, Laura, will you advance that one more one time there? Thank you. And uh, we talked about this. How do we be like Jesus? Uh, Jesus' baptism and my baptism. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And uh, we say Jesus uh, was tempted, and, uh, and we are going to be tempted. So how did Jesus handle temptation? We want to uh, copy that and be like Jesus and handle temptation the same way. Jesus suffered, and we are going to have suffering uh, in life. And today, uh, we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus died, and, uh, and uh, we are also going to die. What is the significance of Jesus' death upon us? What is the significance of Jesus' death upon us uh, here even today. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Well, uh, Jesus had to die um, because he, uh, because scripture, because of scripture, the Bible, uh, the Bible, the Bible, here's why Jesus had to die. The Bible is divided into two parts. And is the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament. And, uh, and so, uh, the Old Testament, what's another word for testament? Uh, another word for testament is, uh, uh contract. Uh, and it is covenant. Uh, there's the old contract and the old covenant. And then there's the New Testament, the new contract, the new covenant. And so what's that word? What's contract? What's covenant? Well, here, let, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. All right, here we go. Contract, covenant, testament. Um, a contract. Uh, you know what a contract is. Let's pretend that we wanted to enter into a contract with each other, okay? And let's pretend, and we have to pretend because I don't really have one, uh, but let's pretend I have a pencil, okay? I have a pencil, and uh, let's pretend uh, that you have a dollar, okay? And uh, you express a desire to buy my pencil uh, for a dollar. And so you know what we would do in that case, We'd start, we'd call our attorneys, right? We'd call our attorneys and we would bring them in and we'd say, let's draw up a contract in which uh, uh, Steve has a pencil and you have a dollar and uh, we're going to make sure that all of the uh, the terms are on the contract where it says, uh, you know, by which uh, uh, the surrender of the pencil will take place uh, when the surrender of the dollar from party B is transferred, right? And it's all going to be written out there in legal terms. There's going to be a contract. Uh, and so then uh, all of a sudden here's what happens. We all go into the meeting room and I got all my attorneys on one side you got all your attorneys on the other side, and we sit and we look at each other. And the contract is in play. 
Now, how do we put an end to the contract? We fulfill the contract. I surrender the pencil. You give me the dollar. Now the contract has been fulfilled. And that, my friends, is why Jesus had to die. That's why he had to die. Because the, the Bible is the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Old Contract, and it is the New Covenant, the New Testament, the New Contract. And so there, the Bible is divided into two parts. So, uh, every contract, and here, now pull out your bulletin there, and you'll see there's an outline for the sermon, and it's going to say PTP on there. PTP. And so what does PTP stand for? It stands for, listen, uh, write this down, write this down really small, really small, because then you're going to want to be able to write on that line uh, the definition of these things. And so PTP stands for Parties, Terms, and Promises. Parties, Terms, and Promises. All contracts have parties, terms, and promises. Uh, back to the pencil. The pencil. Okay, who are the parties in the contract? Who are the parties? Uh, the parties are me and you, right? I've got the pencil, and you as the individual have the dollar, so those are the parties. What are the terms? What are the terms of the contract? What are the terms of the contract? The terms are uh, you surrender your dollar, I surrender my pencil, those are the terms, right? And then what are the promises of the contract? The promises are good news for you, you get a pencil, and me, I get a dollar, right? And so uh, just for the record, I come out way ahead of that deal. I, I just, I just do. Okay, and so, uh, but that's, that's a parties, the terms, and the and the uh, the parties, terms, and promises of the contract. Okay, are you with me? Who's with me? Yes. All right, three or four of you. Okay. Well, the uh, good news is this sermon will be on YouTube later in the week, and you can put it in slow motion, and you can watch it all then. All right. And so, here's the thing. All right. Uh, so a contract, and so the Bible is an old covenant. And a new covenant, and a new uh, uh, old contract, and then the New Testament new contract. And so, uh, then, so why did Jesus have to die? Okay, here's why. But first, let's explain the parties, terms, and promises of the old covenant. The old covenant. That's okay. The Old Testament. Uh, some of you remember these things from uh, from Sunday school. Uh, you remember that God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, and he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and uh, he starts off. God is a, a God of covenant, and he is a, a promise keeping God. He will always keep covenant with you. He, and so uh, he says to Adam and Eve that are in the garden, he enters into a covenant with them, and he says, uh, "Parties, terms, promises. I'm God. You're Adam and Eve. Uh, the terms are: you can live in the garden. It's going to be wonderful. I will be your God. Right? Parties, God. Uh, uh, terms: you live in the garden, and then um, and the promises: you're going to live there forever and ever and ever. It's going to be wonderful. But the terms: the terms were: Adam and Eve do not eat of the forbidden fruit. Right? That's the terms of the, of the deal. But we all know they ate of the forbidden fruit, and so uh, now there's a mess. Now mankind is on Earth. And because sin separates mankind from God, and now God's up in heaven, and mankind's down there separated by the sin that is infected and infested and, and is, is a cancer that's all over everything, and it's corrupted everything, and then God's still up in heaven, but he desperately wants to have a relationship with mankind, and so God says, aha, I know what I'm going to do. 
And as you read through the Old Testament, read through the book of Genesis, God identifies a guy named Abraham, Father Abraham. Abraham, he goes to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I want to enter into a covenant with you, a contract uh, with you. And he says to him, uh, this is going to be a very specific contract. That's me, I'm God, I'm in heaven. But you, Abraham, and your descendants, your descendants, you and your descendants, I'm entering into a contract, a covenant, a testament with you guys, just you. And so they later become the Jews. The Jews are the chosen people, okay? That's the nation of Israel. And uh, those, are the, uh, those are the parties, God and the nation of Israel. Uh, because maybe you remember that Abraham goes on and he, he does what God wants him to do. And, and God says to, um, to Abraham, I'm going to give you more descendants than there are stars in the sky and more descendants than there are sands on, on the beaches and all these things. And, and uh, time goes on. And then uh, God gives them now the terms, the terms of the covenant. And that comes later uh, with Moses. And maybe you remember uh, Moses, and uh, Moses got this big staff. And okay, see if you guys can stick stick with me on this thing. Though it's kind of a, a, a charades kind of. And so he, he sets down his staff, and then he goes up on the mountainside, and he does a little thing like this: ding, 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 right? And he comes down off of the mountain, and he's got these two big things, and they are called the. Ten Commandments. Boom. Okay. And so what are the parties now? The parties are, the parties in the Old Covenant are the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. They become the Jews, uh, the Jewish people, uh, ultimately. And, uh, and the terms are not the Ten Commandments, but the terms are the 613 laws of the Old Covenant. The 613 laws of the Old Covenant. And so what are the 613 laws? They, they do include, uh, I think that's the next slide. Uh, the terms are the 613 laws of the Old Covenant. And they do include the Ten Commandments. Uh, don't kill, uh, don't steal, don't lie, especially to your preacher. Okay? And, and, and so there's, there's 613 laws. And there's, there's things in there. They gotta make sacrifices on certain days. And if you read through the Levitical law, the Old Testament law, and they had to make sacrifices of a certain kind of animal on a certain kind of day, then they had to chop that thing in half and they'd have to put the fatty parts over here and they could eat these parts or they had to burn those parts. And it's all of this convoluted law. And so the parties were between God who reaches down to Abraham and his descendants. The terms are when, when uh, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, he didn't just get the Ten Commandments, he got all 613 of the laws, uh, and he brings them down to the nation of Israel, and the guy says, so those are parties, the terms were, obey 613 laws, and what were the promises? The promises were that God would be with them, and God would be their God. I will be your God. I will be your God. Now listen, he promised that he would give them prosperity, he promised that uh, there would, they, would, they would win every battle, that they, and no enemy could come against them. And then maybe you remember that the time that uh, was called the United Kingdom of the nation of Israel, uh, when uh, King Saul and then King David and then King Solomon, and man, they were large and in charge, right? They, uh, Jerusalem was their place, and they had the temple of God, and all these enemies would come against them, and they would defeat them and defeat them and defeat them until they turned their back on God. And the truth is, they were always turning their back on God. And we can relate to that. 
because they did all those things. They, they lied and they stole and they made false gods and they worshipped other gods and they were interested in other gods. They, uh, they committed adultery and all of the Ten Commandments. Plus, they, they didn't do the sacrifices the way that they were supposed to sacrifice. And then some of the kings, they came in and they would even build false gods and try to get the nation of Israel uh, to worship them. And so God's got this big mess on his hands because he entered in to literally a blood covenant. There were sacrifices that were made and blood was shed so that God could enter into this contract with the nation of Israel. And he hears God and he's got this contract where he says, the way I want things to be done is I want to be your God and I want you to be my people and I want you to obey my laws and I want to prosper you and I want to look after you. And he's got this mess because nobody does it. So, how do you get out? We got all the lawyers on that side and all the lawyers on this side. How do you get out of the contract? You have to fulfill the contract. So God says, aha, this has been a part of my plan from day one. I have a ringer. I am going to send my son into the world and he is going to be born of Mary who, when you follow her bloodline and you read the genealogies, ultimately is a descendant of Abraham. She's got this Jewish blood in, in Jesus, uh, Mary does, and therefore uh, Jesus being born of Mary, uh, he is a Jew. He's a Jew. He is a descendant of Abraham. And so finally, and then Jesus comes and he arrives. And then Jesus, the interesting thing about Jesus is that he lives a perfect life. And he never broke one of the 613 laws of the old covenant. And then Jesus died. Finally, there was somebody on that side that could come up with a dollar. Make sense? God said, God said, I will be your God and I will prosper you. And he always looked after them. He was always faithful to them. But finally, there was a descendant of Abraham. Finally, there was just one person that could live perfectly by those rules and die. And finally, God was able to go, done with that. Now, the Bible is a story of the old contract, the Old Testament, Old Covenant, and the new contract, New Testament, New Covenant. While Jesus was on earth living a perfect life, fulfilling and shutting down the old covenant, he was also establishing and teaching, essentially writing the new covenant, the new contract that we have the ability to be a part of today. And so what were the parties' terms, or what are the parties' terms and promises of the new covenant. Well, the parties are uh, God and anybody, anybody. It's no longer just the Jews. It's, uh, God said, it's for everybody, 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 everybody. God wants everybody to be in covenant with him. God wants everybody to be in covenant with him, to be in contract with him, to be adopted into his family. Those are the parties and the terms are accept the work of Jesus. Accept the work, uh, God says, accept the work that my son has done for you. Jesus died on the cross, uh, he laid down his life for you, and he lived a perfect life. And so uh, God says, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you are in. And then what are the promises? The promises are heaven, that you will be with God for all of eternity. Now listen, 
In the new covenant, there are no socioeconomic promises made to you as a follower of Jesus. You need to understand that. Uh, because you give your life to Jesus, that does not mean that all of a sudden you just pray and you just kind of run around out in the backyard with a big pot and God's going to fill it with gold. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. It never says that God promises you physical prosperity in the new covenant. But what he does promise is that he will be with you and he will guide you and he will shape you and he will strengthen you to be able to handle anything that comes your way. And then ultimately, you get to be with Jesus, with God, in heaven. You get to avoid hell. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to go to hell when you enter into contract and covenant with Jesus as your Savior. So, that is the parties, terms, and promises. That's the Old Testament and the New Testament. So why did Jesus have to die? Jesus had to die in order to fulfill that Old Covenant. And so, write this down in your bulletin there. Jesus had to die so that you could live. Jesus had to die so that you could live. Jesus had to die so that you could live live. Romans tells us this, chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. We deserve that the wages, uh, what, what God owes us because we are a sinful people and sin is against God, uh, we deserve to die and we deserve to be separated from God because we are a sinful people. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so raise your hand if you're a sinful person. There you go. If you don't have your hand up, uh, I caught you. Sinful, sinful. See, Uh, the wages of sin is death, and we are sinners. And Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this, For all have sinned, see, I told you, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all deserve to be punished because we are sinners. John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus said this, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Well, he's, he's getting ready to die on the cross, right? And now my, my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, Jesus said, I'm not going to say this. It was for this very reason I came. Jesus came to die on the cross and taken all of our sin away with him, fulfilling the old and then setting himself up as the authority to establish the new covenant, which he did after the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, I know what I'm doing, and I know why I am doing it. Jesus came to die. John chapter 12, verse 47 says, For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. Christianity is not about judgment, but salvation. Being saved from your sins. That's why Jesus came. Listen. Jesus' crucifixion, write this down, Jesus' crucifixion, his death, shows us God's love for us. Jesus' crucifixion shows God was willing to send his son into this earth. Now, you know, there's sometimes you watch reality shows on TV or something like that, and you'll see somebody that's very wealthy that maybe they go on to some kind of a reality show where they have to uh, be without all of their luxuries and things like that. And then uh, they're so, so glad to be back or reunited with all of their luxuries after the thing. And Jesus is in heaven. Perfection. We, we cannot even begin to comprehend perfection. We, we know nothing about it. He is in perfection, and he's willing to leave perfection to come into this 
world. I don't know if you watch the news, but uh, if, you have, if you don't, just a little point, pro tip here. Uh, this world is not perfect. Um, Jesus willing to leave the perfection of heaven to come into this world, to be spit on, to be beat up, to be whipped, to be mocked, to hang on a cross and die. That's love. Friends, that's love. Listen to this. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you know what verse 17 says? It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Jesus, through him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace, he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Jesus did it all. We just need to receive Jesus. Now, maybe you were here a couple weeks ago, and I had a little life preserver that was up here, and we said if you're out on a cruise, and you fell off the cruise ship, and somebody throws you the little life ring, and you're there treading in the water, you get a choice. Am I going to accept it, or am I going to reject it? Am I going to receive salvation, or am I just going to try to do it all on my own? God sent his son that we might receive and accept God's forgiveness and his grace that he has extended to us. The crucifixion shows us God's love. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4 through four says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. New birth. The old one. The old one is gone. Uh, we, we, we witnessed that right over here. Ashley, I was standing up there in the water. And she said, I want to die to myself. She's lowered into a grave, washed away, stands up new, brand new person in Christ. That's what this is about. He says, into a living hope. Our life now has hope through Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Our future is now guaranteed in Jesus. In Jesus. And so Jesus' crucifixion shows how much God loves us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, 21. I have been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me. His crucifixion shows that he loved me and gave himself for me. Romans chapter 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Maybe you don't feel freed from sin, but you need to know that what Jesus did on the cross took away your sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that he will, we will also live with him. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 say, 
Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. This is how God sees you. Dead to sin, alive in Him. I'm going to repeat that. This is how Jesus sees you. Dead to sin, alive in Him. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look at this picture. This is what Jesus did for us. Jesus had to die. Why did he have to die? Why didn't he just kind of get to the end and then ascend up into heaven? Because if he would not have lived an entire life and died, the old covenant would not have been fulfilled. Jesus had to die. When he died, God took all of our sin and he scooped it up and he piled it up onto his son and he pressed it into him and he said, take that. And Jesus said, okay, dad. And he took it. And it washed away our sin. He did that for us. That, my friends, is why Jesus died. Question, how should I respond to that? How should I respond to the fact that Jesus died for me to put, a, a put an end to a way? The old covenant was all about the law. Follow the law or be condemned. Follow all of the law or be condemned. If you break the law, you are to be condemned. Old covenant, all about the law. New covenant, all about grace. God looks at us and he says, sinner, 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 sinner. I know. I was in your shoes. It can be hard. I love you. Let's do life together. Let's keep making improvements. You're forgiven. Today is a new day. It's about grace. How should I respond to what Jesus has done for me? I ought to love Christ. That's it. I ought to love Christ. I need to love him. I need to tell him thank you. He did what I cannot do. He took care of a problem that I have that I could not take care of. He forgave me of my sins. I ought to love Christ. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. No one else could do that for me. No one else could do that for you except Jesus. Why did he have to die? To make a way that we might live. To make a way that we might live. What else should I do? I ought to hate sin. I ought to hate sin. As sin separates me from God. Why should I hate sin? Sin is the opposite of loving God. Sin is loving and prioritizing self over God. Isn't that true? Sin hurts you. Sin hurts others. The devil wants me to love sin and blame others. That's what the devil wants me to do. God wants me to love people and hate sin. I have a problem. 
too often, I don't hate sin. But my sin is what put Jesus on the cross. That makes me feel bad. I need to hate sin because of what it does to my Jesus. We are lost without Jesus. We're stuck, trapped, incarcerated by our sin without Jesus. But because of what Jesus did, we can have hope in eternal life with Jesus. So what should I do as a result of the fact that Jesus died for me? Write this down. I ought to tell others. I ought to tell others. I should share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 says, God was reconciled. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Means God was building a bridge from uh, we are separated from God. God wants to be with us, and so God builds this a relationship with us. This uh, he extends this uh, invitation to us. He builds this bridge to us through what He did uh, through Christ in the new covenant, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation, the message of. I want to be reconciled to you. I don't want to be separated from you. I want to be close to you. And then he says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Here's a fact. You're going to heaven. You you are going to go to heaven because someone told you about Jesus. You're going to go to heaven because someone told you about Jesus. Question. Will there be anyone in heaven because you told them about Jesus? We ought to love Christ. We ought to hate sin. And we ought to tell people about Jesus. If you've been a Christian for a long time and you were baptized a long time ago and, and uh, you love the church and you love the people of the church, Jesus is calling you to share Jesus with everyone that you get the opportunity to sit down and talk with and visit with and, and be intentional about that and develop relationships with people that you can tell them about Jesus so that they don't go to hell. If you don't know if Jesus is in your life and you're wondering and you're questioning, if you've never been baptized into Christ and you need to do what Ashley did this morning, give your life to Jesus, be baptized into him and live knowing exactly what Jesus did for you. If you need to be baptized into Christ, that's a conversation that I would like to have with you. We'll sit down, we'll talk about it, we'll make it happen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Help us.
to live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing your praise.